Welcome to the podcast of Woburn Baptist Church. We hope that you enjoy listening to the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. Um, we're going to be looking at uh, the end of chapter 5 of Matthew chapter 5. Um, We'll be looking at uh, verses 38 through 48. And there is a connection to Father's Day here. Our Father has been gracious and kind to us. He has loved His enemies. In fact, whenever He commands us to love our enemies, what is the basis for that command? that we may be children of our Father who is in heaven. That we may be sons of our Father who is in heaven. I'll talk more about that in a moment, but um, we have a great Heavenly Father who has been gracious to us more than we can ever imagine. So with that said, let's look at our text. Matthew chapter 5. Starting in verse 38. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile with him, go two miles. Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good. He sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You, therefore, must be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Speak to us now. As we open your word, give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Lord, let these not be just words on a page. Lord, bring life to us by your word. Your word refreshes the soul. Lord, refresh our soul in You. Lord, Your Word calls us to a standard that is higher than we could ever fathom. Lord, You say we are to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. Yet none of us is. None of us can be perfect in this life. Lord, I am far from perfect. 
I am a wretched sinner, holy in need of your grace. Lord, I pray that you would be with me and help me to speak your words this morning. Let them not be mine. Let me speak your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus has been basically preaching a sermon on the Ten Commandments. As we look at the, at the Sermon on the Mount in this section of the Ten Commandments, he, he has said things like, You have heard that it was said, do not murder. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother in his heart deserves the same punishment. Jesus said, you, you have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. He said, whoever looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery in his heart. Jesus said, you shall not swear falsely in court. Uh, thinking about the, the commandment not to lie, and Jesus says, not to swear at all, but to just let our yes be a yes and our no be a no. And then Jesus comes around to talk about retaliation, to talk about punishment. He says, you have heard that it was said. We've heard this before. He's he's following the same pattern that he's been doing. You've heard that it was said. You've heard that it was said. And he's not overturning the Old Testament. He's not overturning what was said. But he's, he's showing us how it's been misread, how it's been misunderstood by the Pharisees of his day, and how it's often misread by us. He says, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. This uh, saying, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, it's uh, called the lex talionis in Latin. It's, uh, it means the law of the tooth. It's basically a law restricting retaliation. And many of the other ancient um, cultures around Israel at the time that the law was given had something like this. There were limits given on how someone could retaliate. But one thing you find with Israel is that there was a higher value placed on human life. And some of the other law codes, such as the law code of Hammurabi and some of the other uh, ancient laws, um, uh, consider this a slave's life was not worth what another person's life. So you could kill a slave and you would only have to get, pay a, pin, a financial fee um, rather than life for life. In the Old Testament, you, you read this, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. It, it wasn't commanding necessarily that we go out and retaliate you you punch my eye out and I'll punch your eye out but no it's a limiter it's it's something that limits you you can't punish someone with something that's excessive so a punishment needed to fit fit the crime whenever a slave would hit his master or something like that you you couldn't just turn around and kill and put to, put to death the slave. No, it had to be a punishment that went with the crime. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. It was something that limited 
retaliation. To make it more humane and not less. But Jesus here, he says, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I say to you, just like he said about the other places, but I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. That sounds strange to us, doesn't it? Do not resist the one who is evil. Who is he talking about there, the one who is evil? Well, I don't think he's talking about the devil. Uh, In James, he says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. In uh, 1 Peter, he says that the devil walks around, uh, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, but resist him. Stand firm in your faith. We are to resist the devil. Jesus here, though, I think he's talking about the person who wants to harm you. The person who wants to get even with you for something. He says, do not resist them. He says, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. If anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile with him, go two with him. Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. What is our natural reaction? When someone hits us, what do we want to do? We want to hit them back. We, we want to get revenge. We want to demand our rights. But Jesus, He says, don't do that. Don't demand your rights. Don't demand revenge. I don't think that He's calling for us to actually put ourselves in harm's way. But he does demand that we give up our rights for getting even, for retaliation. And when he says, if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. There were laws in the Old Testament that restricted what someone could take from a person because you wouldn't want to have someone that was destitute without anything to cover up at night to keep warm with. And so, the Old Testament law protected people who were taken to court to keep them from that. And Jesus was here saying, if someone wants to sue you to take you to court and to take your tunic, that would be your inner garment, the one you wear underneath of your cloak, then let him have that and let him take your cloak as well. Again, Jesus here is telling us not to to demand our rights, not to demand retaliation, Not to demand getting even, but to give up our rights, to lay ourselves down for His sake. And in so doing, we are are modeling what Jesus did. Jesus was an innocent sufferer. Jesus had never sinned, and yet He went to the cross. He, He didn't speak a defense for Himself as He testified before Pilate and before Agrippa. He just remained silent as a lamb that was led to slaughter. And we believers are called to do the same. And then Jesus says, if anyone forces you to go one mile with him, go two miles. The, uh, 
in the Roman world. The Roman soldiers that would patrol different cities and villages. They could conscript someone into service. So if if they were carrying their pack and they needed some assistance, they could just grab you, whoever you were, and, and force you to go up to one mile. But they couldn't force you to do more. That was according to Roman law. But Jesus here says if someone does that, if some soldier comes along and forces you to carry his pack, to carry his burden... Not just to go one mile, but to go the extra mile. And that's where we get that phrase. To go an extra mile beyond what we were required by law. We don't find ourselves in that situation, but we might find ourselves in something similar when the law requires us to do something that we don't really want to do. And we'll go the extra mile. And following Jesus. And then he kind of turns and he begins a new statement. You have heard that it was said again. And this is the last one he says. You have heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now the first part of that phrase, you shall love your, your, you shall love your neighbor, comes from Leviticus chapter 19 that Amy read this morning from the last verse there. We, we, we remember that. We know that that's the second commandment. Not, not the second as in the Ten Commandments, but it's the, the second greatest commandment. Jesus was asked, you know, what was the greatest commandment? And Jesus re- replied as well as whenever He was asking someone else, they replied as well. We, we see it in multiple places in the New Testament. The greatest commandment is to love God with all our hearts, with all our soul, with all our strength, with all our mind. And the second commandment is like it to it, to love our neighbor as ourself. This comes from Leviticus 19, and Jesus here is quoting it. You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor. But then something else comes in, and hate your enemy. You can look through the Old Testament, you won't find that. It doesn't say, and hate your enemy. This was probably... One of the conclusions, one of the implications that people of his day were drawing out. Well, if we're supposed to love our neighbor, then what should we do with our enemy? Well, we should hate them. It's some kind of an implication that the people of his day were drawing out. But Jesus says, no. We're not to love our neighbor and hate our enemy, but we're to love everybody. Jesus says, but I say to you, love your enemies. And pray for those who persecute you. Now who in the right mind would do that? That's not what comes natural to us. In our flesh, in our nature, what we want to do if somebody harms us, if someone hates us, we want to hate them back. Only by the Spirit of God working in us can we love our neighbor. Only by a change that takes place, only by the new birth can we love our neighbor. Jesus says, I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. What is an enemy? By this standard, we we should say, well, we don't have any enemies, right? 
Because we're believers, we, we love our enemies, so therefore we don't have enemies, right? The word for enemy in the Old Testament was actually based off of the word, word haters. It's someone who hates you. So when, you, when Jesus is saying, love your enemies, he's not saying, love the people that you hate. <laughs> no, he's saying, love the people who hate you, who mistreat you. It's not something that's easy. It's not something that comes natural at all, but it's only by the Spirit of God. We don't naturally want to love somebody who hates us, who mistreats us. But that is what Jesus calls us to do. And He gives us the reason, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. I want to be careful here. He is not saying that we earn being God's children. That we earn being God's sons and daughters by loving our enemies. That is not what He's saying. Because He says, so that you may be sons of your Father. We already stand, if we're believers, we already stand as sons and daughters of God. But when we do this, when we love our neighbor, when we love our enemies, we are doing something that makes us like our Father. You know, Josh, last night, I hope I'm not going to embarrass you, but you're sick, so it shouldn't matter too much. (laughs) Josh was taking a bath last night. Okay? And as kids often do, I walked in to to get him ready, to get him all dried off and and out of the tub and... and, uh, I say, well, Josh, it's time to get out of the tub. And he says, Josh, it's, right. it's time to get out of the tub. And I said, uh, just go ahead and get up. And he says, just go ahead and get up. And I said, uh, are you copying me? He said, are you copying me? And I said, uh, I think I need a spanking. And he said, I think I need a spanking. <laughs> A child wants to be like his father, right? He's imitating me. And and so often our fathers, we we want to be like them. We want to, to imitate them. And this is what Jesus is calling us to do. God is a God who loves His enemies. And so, so that we might be children of our Father... So that we might imitate Him, that we might be like Him, we are to love our enemies. He says, For He makes His Son to rise on the evil and the good. doesn't matter if, if you're a, a, a bad person. It does, doesn't matter if you're unconverted, if you're an unbeliever. He's going to make the sun rise and set. We have the same grace of the sun rising on another day. And it's all by His grace. It's one way that God loves us all. By treating us good, even though we don't deserve it. We don't deserve the sun to rise. But He makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good. And He sends rain. Oh, no, we needed it. We needed it. It was starting to... Things were starting to curl in our gardens and things like that. We, we, were, we were needing rain, and it didn't matter how good we were, and it didn't matter how bad. God sent the rain, didn't He, this week? He sent a little bit of rain, and things began to perk up in our gardens and in our fields. He sends His rain on the just 
and on the unjust. God loves all people. He cares for all people. He provides for the sparrows and He provides for us all so much more. Whether we're good or not. And in the same way, God calls us to be like Him. To be children of our Father in Heaven who love our enemies. Jesus then says, For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Don't even Gentiles do the same? I think this kind of goes back to what we saw earlier in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus was saying, when we do our good works before men, we do so so that they might see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. Well, what kind of works cause people to glorify God? Something that you cannot do in the flesh. We can't do by our own natural capacities. The, the kind of works that cause other people to glorify God are the kinds of things that it would take a crazy person to do. Or somebody who is filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Something like loving our enemies. The world looks at that and thinks, how can you be so good and so kind to that person? They hate you. Don't you know that? And we can say, yes, but I don't need to seek revenge or anything like that because I'm one of God's children and He gives me a love for them. Anybody can be good to their friends. Anybody can do good and and say hello in the marketplace to their friends and to their family. But it takes the Spirit of God within us to change us into the kind of people who love our enemies and who treat them well. And finally, Jesus says, You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. I think this sums up the whole section here. Going back to anger itself. You've never killed anybody? Have you been angry? You've never committed adultery physically? Have you ever looked at a woman with lust in your heart? You've never lied in court? Jesus says, be perfect, as our Heavenly Father is perfect. There is a standard, you know... We, we, we kind of try to, to get around this. We try to, to minimize it. We try to, to get away from the fact that the Scriptures say we're to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. Well, we say, well, nobody's perfect. We can't be perfect. We know we can't, can't really mean that. Well, what else is God going to call us to? Be pretty good. He's not going to say, well, don't be too bad. No, He's the only thing. He's God. He is perfect. The only thing He can call us to is perfection. We're never going to meet it. He, he 
levels the playing field. He, he tells us all in these verses that we've been looking at for the last several weeks, nobody can meet the perfect standard. You may not have killed anybody, but you've been angry. God calls us to perfection. And so we, we stand with a problem. We stand in need because none of us can be perfect. But there was one who was perfect and it was the one who said these words. Jesus. The one who preached the Sermon on the Mount lived a perfect and sinless life. He did not respond with retaliation. He did not lash out against those who mocked Him, who beat Him, who crucified Him. No, He took it all. And at the very end, He said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. How greater of an example can we have of someone who loved His enemies? We can't do it. Only by the Spirit of God empowering us and only by placing our faith in the One who was perfect, who did give us His perfection so that when we trust in Jesus, God looks at us and He no longer sees that murderer, that worm, but He sees His perfect spotless Son. Though we have our flaws, that we will continue to have our flaws until Jesus returns and makes us perfect in reality, we can be called sons of our Father who is in heaven. Thank you for listening to this message from Woburn Baptist Church. For more information, please visit us at www.wilburnbaptistchurch.org or you can also like us on Facebook.